first year I was out of there of, of a kind of denial, like, wait, that's my place. I should be there. Why am I not there? That led to guilt. Like, why, why did I invest in these people's lives and then just walk out of their lives cold? I told them for a year I was going to, but that did not make it easier for me when I did. We have an incredible episode for you today. I'm Pastor Mike Brake, your host. And we're jumping right in to part two of a conversation with Chuck McCullough, who was the pastor of White Rock Baptist Church for 31 years, and then he retired. And we're talking about transition. And as we are going to be talking about uh, this transition, this episode, what you're going to get is an extremely raw and vulnerable Chuck. He's going to share uh, his feelings, some of those feelings, some of those grief and sadness that he felt during that time of transition, something that caught me off guard, anger even. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how do you go from leading a church for so long and then now you are a participant. Think about it. You're not on the stage anymore preaching week in, week out. You're not doing the day-to-day -day phone calls or ministering to people or doing budgets or leading people. All that stuff is kind of stripped away that you used to do. What does that do to your identity? And how do you, when you're now part of a church, not grow cynical? Just, you know, hey, I'd do it a different way. I would have approached that sermon a different way. I would have preached that text different. You know, all those things that can add up. How do you fight cynicism? as a leader after you've been leading for so long. And then towards the end, you're going to love this. And uh, to me, it spoke to me so much. We asked Chuck, what would you tell young Chuck from 31 years ago? So uh, before we jump right in, we, we are not sponsored, but sponsored by Death Wish Coffee still in this episode. All right. So uh, if you want to sponsor Freedom Church Summer Podcast Series, jump on in. Send me an email, freedomla.church at gmail.com. We'd love to have a sponsor. But until then, uh, we're sharing a few of our favorite items that are, are piquing our interest. Death with coffee, good coffee loaded with uh, caffeine. And the whole idea of this Summer Podcast Series, no matter where you're at, we want to stay connected while we're away. If you're, if you're in town in Los Alamos, come join us. Uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of summer. We've got the At The Movie series taking place right now when this episode drops. We've also got the uh, Red or Green Q&A series coming up. I mean, it's just a phenomenal time. Uh, that And God's presence just shows up on us. When you are in the room, there's just something different that happens. And God's presence has been there on Sunday mornings time and time again. He moves, he speaks. You're going to want to be a part of it. But I also know you're going to be away. If I were away, I'd be on the beach right now. Uh, but some of you guys might be camping in the mountains. You might be golfing. You might be visiting friends and families. We want to offer opportunity to stay connected while we are away. And so excited to bring these episodes, this bonus content uh, during the week and hopefully help you take a next step, give you some encouragement uh, in, in your faith journey and uh, to learn about our Freedom Church family, ask hard questions and uh, just journey together this summer. And so enjoy this incredible part two of our interview with Pastor Chuck about transition. Enjoy. You want you would talk about the the uh, challenge of being the old guy. We can look at that for a minute. The probably the hardest thing I've ever done was step out of that church and walk away. After that many years of of investment of life poured into it 
and you know just what that feels like. Your whole life is poured into it. I, I said to them in that year, as I was leaving and preparing them for this transition, I kept saying, I'm, I'm going to walk out the door and I won't be your pastor anymore. I'll be your, I'll see you at Smith's at the grocery store, but I, I won't be your pastor. And I will confess that was incredibly painful. That was really painful, especially since I knew that I wasn't moving away. I wasn't going to another pastorate. I was going to stay right here in town. So I, I left White Rock Baptist Church. I, uh, I didn't go back for four years. Didn't even walk in the door. And uh, when Marshall came to town, I, we, we got together and had coffee. And I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be your uh, greatest supporter. I'm going to be your guy in the background, but I am staying far away because I will not get in the way of your establishing your ministry. I will not. I'll just be, I'll just be way back here in the background somewhere. You'll know I'm here, but um, I, I will, I won't even walk in the building because I, I just got to give you that space. Yeah. That was, I thought that was extremely important to do. It was extremely painful. It was, there was probably I experienced grief more profoundly in that process than anything I've, any other grief I've experienced in my life. And to some degree, that's been six years ago. And that grief still lives in me a little bit to some degree. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a lot for, for us to be taken in. Um, what were some more of those emotions and how did you work your way through those, through your transition that you experienced? So can I be really honest? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we would hope for that. So honestly... Um, grief was number one. And when you go through grief, what do you experience? You experience denial. You experience some level of shock and denial. You go through anger and you go through depression or never, or just like uh, a, a real low place. And then at some point, if you're going through what Kugara says is the grief process, you start coming back up out of that, right? You start finding some resolution and then you find a place to stand and then you figure out how to live your life again in light of this grief. Um, so I, I ran the full gamut. I ran the gamut from just a deep, from a, the first year I was out of there of, of a kind of denial, like, wait, that's my place. I should be there. Why am I not there? That led to guilt. Like, why Why did I invest in these people's lives and then just walk out of their lives cold? I told them for a year I was going to, but that did not make it easier for me when I did. I felt guilt. I felt that denial. I felt uh, the anger. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, I don't know if I've said this out loud, so I'm saying it now in recording. <laughs> uh, there was anger. Anger maybe maybe at God, but I don't think so. I think anger at me, maybe anger that I felt like the church was going to move on without me and they didn't care anymore. And what I had done didn't matter. Call those thoughts irrational or reasonable. Either way, it doesn't matter because that's what happens. You, you just go through that cycle. You go through the cycle. And so I say, be, be ready, be prepared. Because if your identity is wrapped up in something that you just walk away from, you walk away from a hard, it's a hard line, hard cut where you walk away. Grief and guilt, some anger, uh, some resentment, 
some sad, deep sadness, uh, depression. Okay, that, it's the whole gamut. It's the whole span of feelings. It's been six years. I will still say that some of that stuff surfaces. It, it really does. I don't let anybody see it. You know how that works. You don't let anybody see it, but it lives inside. And so you, you, but it's easier today for me to recognize it, walk through it, and uh, kind of maybe being in that place where there's some resolution as as the grief cycle works its way through, and finding a new place to stand. But I will say that the first few times I was invited by somebody, by a good friend, to come fill in to preach uh, at a church, uh, it was really hard for me. I and I I would weep uh, before the service and have to pull myself together, like, okay, come on, get it together, <laughs> uh, because because there was a missing of it and a sort of a need to reconnect, but not really. You don't really get to do that. You're just there to fill in, right? You can love people and enjoy people, but it's not your place. So there's there's a bit of a journey walking through that. For me, at least, it was. It was very deep, very personal, very uh, very sharp-edged at times. Yeah, and I would say, like, transitioning out. And, and God can do whatever he wants, but what he wanted to do with you, as best as you can tell as you're walking, taking your next steps of faith, that he... He called you into ministry. You went to seminary. He called you back to White Rock. And for 31 years, you loved and you you led. And I think one of the reasons, there's many, but one of the reasons so many people uh, connected with you and wanted to be around you is your vulnerability in which you just shared. And w- one of the things about white rock baptist in your transition was there wasn't some dramatic thing there wasn't it was everything was going great you know you had some questions about hey am i still the guy or whatever but i mean church was thriving yeah and so it was you were leaving out of a very good situation it's like someone going out on on top um so i would think as you're kind of describing that, it, you know, your, your ministry, your legacy, um, it, how you leave is one of the most important parts of your 31 years. I mean, you're in it on the grind day in, day out, week, week in, week out for 31 years, but how you leave is very important to that church thriving. Um, but also as they think on those 31 years, so it's got to be one of the most important parts of ministry, also one of the most difficult, as you are describing. I, I, I'd agree with you, Mike. I, I think so. Boy, when you show up, when you start a new ministry, it's so exciting. It's crazy. It's fun. It's scary. It's all those things, but it's it, but it's beginning. and It's anticipation. When you close, man, I think that might even be a more important thing to think through, just as far as how to exercise care with the people and really keep them informed really because I went from the small focus group to the whole congregation and a lot of conversations with people and they'd say, why are you leaving? You don't have to leave. Things are going well, which of course goes to your very soul. Like you're right. Why am I doing this? I don't have to leave. Yeah. And yet, and yet, yeah, I got to, for some reason, everybody's going to have their own opinions of what you should do. 
And at the end of the day, you gotta, you hang your hat on, Hey God, this is what I feel like you're telling me to do. It is, it is a, there's a, this calling piece of it. Now you mentioned something, uh, a word, uh, just a little bit ago, identity, you know, and we've been, you've been working and, and following God's calling, um, leading this church, loving this church, caring, training, pastoring, pastoring. But what did you learn about your identity uh, stepping away from ministry? And Because and now you you were the pastor. Now you're not. You used to preach every, almost every week. Now you're not. You're, you're not making decisions. You're not in leadership groups. Um, you're Chuck at the grocery store. <laughs> uh, and, and to some people, you're still going to be, you know, you're a leader and a pastor, but at the same time, like all those things you used to do week in, week out, day in, day out, budgets and all these things are, are no more. Uh, what'd you learn about yourself and your, your identity in that? I discovered a couple of things. Of course, keep in mind, COVID was in the middle of the past six years. And so that has skewed everything. Right. But what I learned right up front, number one was, wow, there's a certain freedom, not putting together a sermon every week. That was kind of that was kind of a fun. I I grew to miss it after a while, but in the early days it was like, oh, that I, I I could get used to this. I also, but I will say, in terms of identity, I've been a church guy all my life. I I I was in in church when I was two weeks old, right, and have never left. That, that's in fact, my parents left me at church one Sunday because they had five kids and they forgot me in the nursery and drove all the way home before they realized that they didn't have the baby. And I've often said, that's why I'm still the last one out of the church to this day, uh, because it just always just sort of fits. But I, uh, I, I also what I realized when I walked out of White Rock and I did not go to another church as pastor, that I, 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 I didn't have ground under my feet. So there was, there was a sense of, wow, where's home base now? Where, where, where do I belong? I, I had decided I was going to visit churches. And over the next almost two years, I visited over 40 different congregations wow. here in our state. Uh, at first, and I'll be, I'll be honest, I was looking for, a pl I was just wanted to see what was going on because you never get to do that, right? When you're at your place or every week, every week, you don't get to see what everybody else is doing. You only hear about it second or third hand, which is why I never liked preacher meetings because when you get together with preachers, all they want to tell you is what they preached on last Sunday. And I don't really want to hear that. What I really want to do is talk about what's going on in your life. So anyway, um, I wasn't good at preacher meetings. And so I, I visited churches and I was looking to see what's going on in worship, what's going on in preaching and teaching, what's going on and how do churches uh, welcome visitors? Because a lot of these churches, I, I could be a stranger, right? I could be a visitor off the street. And I wanted to see how they handled that. Um, it was it was an interesting journey. And I will say I learned a lot. I, I still want to write that book because I got so many thoughts and impressions from visiting a wide. And it was every brand. You know, I, I grew up Baptist. But I mean, I kind of enjoyed the Episcopalian liturgy. And I sort of enjoyed the the strong uh, content of the Lutheran church and there are other churches I didn't enjoy so much. And, um, but I'm just saying I went to every, every, every group. And so it was, um, it was a great journey. It became kind of a research project. 
because I learned some things in visiting churches. And, and we probably don't have, this would be another podcast for another day. My experience is anecdotal. Some 40 churches in northern New Mexico from Albuquerque North. Um, but if what's going on in churches across the country is what I observe in churches that I visited, I think there are some, I think, I think the American church has some problems, has some serious issues to deal with. And those became very clear to me in this journey of mine. But, um, I actually thought I'd go back to teaching. I really hoped I would. And, and I, I thought about that for a long time because I taught at the seminary before I came here and taught at the the community college. I learned that that wasn't going to happen because colleges are not looking for old guys. They're looking for younger guys. They can't say that out loud, but we sort of know that. Um, <laughs> I put out resumes all over the country and there was really nothing out there. So I ended up back at the laboratory and I'll just say this quickly about that. That was probably the best thing that could have happened for me because I'm not at church. I mean, I'm not dealing with those budgets and those committees and those church councils and all that stuff. But I, I had to learn how to work in the world. I had to learn how to meet people. I had I had to learn a lot of technical stuff I didn't know. Um, it really I discovered my brain still works. That was that was a great that was a great thing for me. So these six years, but I will always say I've 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 I miss pastoring today more than I have since I left. It has never left my my heart. Well, so, so in just a quick side for me and you, Chuck, like we met. We knew of each other, but we really didn't meet until we started Freedom Church, and you retired at the same time. And then you and I struck up this friendship, and we just had breakfast together. And I think I cried for an hour. Um, on what am I doing? You know, <laughs> we cried together. Uh, and I'm sure I cried with you. I, that's what I do. I cry easily. But you know, a lot of people they can be doing that, and when it comes to identity, and then when they're not the one on stage, they're not the one getting the, Hey, that was a great sermon or you know, the church is thriving. Well, you know, these, these little th things, um, that can really mess with you. Well, then I must not be, uh, you know, this thing at the same time. What I loved is your, your heart for people, your love for the Lord, you Chuck McCullough, just you, I've got to know you as, as you, now you still pastor me and mentor me and love me, but I think that's just kind of how God created you and wired you too, but you just get to be you. Um, and to me, it's been, it's kind of been beautiful, uh, mm -hmm. to watch. So one of the questions that comes up with, uh, having gone to the 40 churches in Northern New Mexico and learning all that you've learned, how in the world do you settle at a church with all these opinions on the lights and the stage and worship and greeting and all of that now that you're not the decision maker and if it were me i'd be pretty cynical how do you fight the cynicism that is natural when you come to looking at stuff that's a great question because you you touched right on something that is uh actually it's kind of cynicism is a scary place to be uh, but it can creep up on you, especially when you see things you, when you think, wow, I, I, what, what's going on in churches? Why, why do I, why do I see the Bible less and less in many, many churches? Why do I see people who talk about we're the friendliest church in town and yet nobody spoke to me the whole time I was there? Why, why do I see these things? I just feel uncomfortable and, um, uh, and, uh, and don't feel genuine, but feel like people are kind of going through the motions, checking the church box and, 
and I don't, and cynicism is a difficult thing to struggle to, to deal with. I will say, <laughs> I've only come across a couple of churches that I, where I've said, I, I, I could probably attend here, but I think for pastors and former pastors, there's a journey in getting to, oh, and, and getting away from, oh, I, I, I would do that differently. Oh, I would do that better. Oh, I, I would, I would go this way and say, I would handle that text differently. I would train my people differently. You know, I, I don't know if that ever goes away, guys. I think it will be with you till the day you leave this earth, no matter where you are. Oh no, that's not happening. I'm sorry to say that. I, I just don't, I think once you're there and once you've done it, you, you just have this like, oh, I, I, I know how to do that. I would, I would, but then. But then, of course, yeah, I have to remind myself. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm seventy, not forty, and um, I better be very careful when I start passing judgment on what I see today because it ain't my world, right? It's not the world I grew up in. It's not the world I uh, helped shape in my uh, most active ministry. And so, sure enough, and Mike, you said it. I think really for me, and and, and maybe Stephen the. The answer to your question as well about how to, where do you settle, how do you deal with cynicism, is you just stay focused on people. You know, you just people that you meet. The, the the folks that I work with at the laboratory, I've been there for six years. Last two weeks ago was six years I've been at the laboratory. And I work with a team of people, most of whom call me Pastor Chuck. And that, that's at the laboratory. <laughs> Why? I don't because I've spent time getting to know them, listening to them, walking alongside. I mean, we work, we work hard, but then there's a whole lot of personal human time, and I hear stories and uh, share hard moments and that sort of thing. And so, I'm still kind of looking for where to settle into a church, and I still do worry about the churches, but or the church in our country. But I, but I think the critical point for me is to stay focused just on the people I'm with every day. Yeah. And I, and Chuck, something I've seen from you in our conversations and you kind of had it on it here too, with, 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 even with Marshall, when Marshall came in, you just championed him. I mean, I guarantee you, like, I don't, you know, any church, any of the forties churches you went into, you would look in and say, well, I might do that different, you know, and you can look at the negative or you can say, well, there's Jesus is being worshiped here. You know, there, you know, you know, the, I, I could focus in on all the things I would do differently or what I found in you is, um, you know, okay, the, the, the reality is those thoughts are there and they're probably never going to go away. What am I going to focus on that? Or am I going to choose to focus on, Hey, there's a lot of things to celebrate here mm -hmm. that's going on. I'm going to champion these people who are trying their best and working their hardest and celebrate when God moves. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And again, that's how you sort of deal with the, uh, oh, I would do that differently or, oh man, what's the problem? The cynicism, uh, you, you do have to guard against those things, but yeah, it's really realizing that, okay, it's a whole lot bigger than any one of us. It's a lot bigger than any, in one individual church. God is stirring in all kinds of ways, ways I get, ways I don't get. Um, but I, I can't, I can't diminish those. I got to be listening and watching to see what, where he's working and, if I can even be a little part of that in some way. Now, as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you a loaded question here. 31 years of ministry, uh, Chuck's younger Chuck 
is jumping in. And the Chuck that's here today talking to us and, and is just giving us a wealth of knowledge as leaders and ministry leaders. Um, what would you, what would you tell young Chuck things? Hey, I would, I would, these values, these practices, let's, let's emphasize these things, these that you think maybe are really important. Um, maybe we could relax on, on those. And if that Chuck was listening to, you know, to you back then and say, oh, okay, yeah, that'd be a good idea. We probably wouldn't listen very well. <laughs> what are, what are some of those things you would impart on, on him? Take take the calling seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Um, and recognize that it's not your show. It's uh, it's it's God's business first of all, and He's called a whole bunch of people here, and it's all of us together. So take it seriously and work hard, but don't take yourself so seriously as if you think it all will unravel without you, because it it won't. Um. Second thing I would do is probably, and I think I've shared this with both you guys before, I I would have fewer meetings, especially evening meetings. Meetings will kill you, and they'll kill your family life, and they will kill your soul after a few years. Um, fewer meetings, more work, working harder to make meetings shorter and more effective and useful, and fewer of them. Uh, just figure out how to do that, how to, how to do business without just having always have another meeting. Um, I, I would, uh, I would take off a little more time. I, I put in 60, 70 hours a week routinely for two reasons. One, I felt driven to do that. And two, I, I loved being there and being a part of people's lives. I, I mean, I really did. I didn't feel a need to run everything, but I liked being a part of everything. And so, but, but that's not always healthy and leaving some of that space for other people to function is really, really critical. Um, you know what, one thing I would do that I've, I'm more painfully aware of today than ever in, in all of our lives is I would spend a lot more time just helping people learn how to talk to each other, just how to talk to each other. Uh, we're not very good at that. We talk at each other and we we don't, we're not really great active listeners. And even in churches, we're not great at it. I think I would, I think any one thing that I would say would be the biggest change of all is I would invest way more time in teaching, modeling, practicing, active listening, Mm. just uh, learning how to hear somebody else's, especially when I realize I've got somebody who's very conservative on one side and not very not conservative on the other side and my church had a bunch of both i don't know how they all showed up and felt comfortable there but they did and but learning how to talk and talk across the divide and learning how to love and share and minister together and find the place where you belong um and as far as the fact that that there are people who disagree with you that 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 to me is more critical than ever and and that's not that's not well practiced in our culture. It's not practiced in our politics. It's not really practiced much anywhere. Churches, Christians need to model how to talk, how to dialogue, how to listen carefully and really listen and then ask the question and then listen some more before ever shooting that opinion out there of your own. I think I, I think I would focus on that more and more. And I'd, I'd, I'd look for ways, active ways to do that regularly. I, 
how to communicate better, but mainly yeah. through active listening. Yeah. I, I would probably do more sermons that were dialogical. I, and I did a few of those. I practiced, I mean, I experimented with all kinds of sermon forms. Or it always felt a little weird to me that preachers get to talk for whatever time they get to talk and nobody gets to talk back. That's, that seems weird to me. Now, the more I think about it, it's like, why don't we have a talk back? You know, I'm, I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. You ask a question or make a comment. Then I'm going to talk 10 more because I honestly, I'm the one that went to seminary. I studied really hard. I know what I'm doing, right? No, I think I think I should say, now people, I want to hear back from you about what I just said. You, you respond to that. And, and I think I would do more dialogue in every venue, including sermons and lessons and all that kind of stuff. Just because I think Christians better learn how to do that and better learn how to model it uh, to the world. It, you don't have a you don't have a course written up on this already, do you? I'm working on it. Okay, I'm gonna say it sounds like I am working on it. Seriously, Great. I think we should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. You know what Solomon said? I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. My comments. Solomon said, "Of the making of books, there is no end." And excessive devotion thereto is weariness to the soul. I'm not sure how many more books we need. Yeah. Solomon said, enough already. We well, do need to know how to talk to each other. Yeah. Chuck, I just want to say thank you and how much I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and have this conversation with Stephen and I and um, whoever is, is listening. I, I think... I know for myself personally, I'm I'm going to have to re-listen to this and um, find some spots where I need to maybe take some notes uh, and kind of coach myself on. But your vulnerability, uh, your wisdom to kind of help us guide through or talk about some transition specifically in the church world, but I think in many other arenas too, how can we best help uh, the next generation? Um lead and and lead well and you did it well and so i just want to say thank you once again brothers thank you you guys are our special and precious friends and brothers i i'm grateful for you and glad to be sharing the journey well hey there freedom fam i hope that you were blessed as much as i was by that conversation with pastor chuck uh just very vulnerable very insightful and you know what? If you got a takeaway, uh, shoot me a message in the inbox. I'd love to hear what that was. I'll share my takeaway with you right now. And it was as he was talking about talking to young Chuck, you know, hey, what are some things we need to emphasize? What are some things we need to relax on? And what stood out to me kind of I wasn't expecting this, but he's talking about teaching his church family that he's pastoring and leading how to how to communicate, focusing more uh, or, or giving a little bit more time to how do we listen to one another? Active listening. How do we communicate, especially when we're far apart? But I mean, that can go in so many areas when it comes to as a leader, talking to people that you're leading, as uh, someone who's married, talking to your spouse, as a parent, talking to your kids, or in our culture and in our world, talking to a coworker talking to someone who has totally different political or moral values than you do. So vital in our world that is, you know, we get divided and we're not united or we um, are tearing people down. I just, whatever, whatever, our world doesn't know how to do this. And uh, to me, 
that really spoke out to me. And in fact, so much so, this fall, we did a relationship series last fall in, in 2022. And I think, yeah, hearing from Chuck, I'm like, you know what? We, we need to probably continue to put emphasis on how do we communicate with one another. So you can be looking forward to that sometime this fall, another relationship series, a relationship series that's not necessarily about marriage, but a relationship series is just how do we build friendships, relationships and, and marriages, but at the same time, like just in, in general. So to me, that really spoke to me. If you have something, put it in, uh, send us a message. I'd love to just know that, Hey, you're listening, but this is my takeaway too. And then go take some next steps, uh, on that. Uh, this summer podcast series, we're going to keep the ball rolling. We got bonus content coming out every Wednesday and, and excited to uh, get that information out to you and, and just that content and, and stay connected while we are away. I hope you're having a great summer wherever you're at on the golf course, on the beach, in the mountains. When you're in Los Alamos, hey, come and join us at Aspen Elementary. We are right in the middle of an At The Movies series at the time this episode will drop. And then Coming up in July, we have our Q&A series, Red or Green, where we are answering your questions, the top six most voted for questions. And chances are, if it's on your brain, if these are the questions that we're asking, somebody in our community is asking those same questions. So it's a perfect opportunity to invite somebody to come and join you that might not otherwise go to church uh, for this Red or Green series. I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. So if you're in town, come join us on Freedom uh, with on Sunday mornings with Freedom. God's moving in an incredible way. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be glad that you came. And if you bring someone with you, I hope they will be too. So have a great week. And we cannot wait to see you again online next week. God bless. <laughs>